0: To Talk Radio.
1: The Timeless Tales of Hoodoo. Return with Zombie Road, a point of much concern to those who use it. Join us as we go along down this scary road here on episode 455 Timeless Tales of Hoodoo. Zombie Road, live. On the real hoodoo.
2: The views and opinions expressed on the following program are solely those of the participants and are not necessarily those of this broadcast facility, its management, staff, nor its sponsors, live. From Chicago, the crossroads of America, Papa Say. Papa Say is a highly acclaimed to do practitioner and fourth generation seer with over 50 years' experience in the spiritual path. Boasting a worldwide clientele from various age, education, economic, and ethnic groups, Papa Say shares a vast wealth of knowledge with those who have both the desire to learn and will to do what it takes to control the many problems in life. Celebrities and regular persons alike use these same things offered in these broadcasts and now experience true happiness and peace of mind that comes when your problems are finally solved. Papa Say uses the secret knowledge taught to him by his parents and ancestors along with practical knowledge from the Evo in West Africa, the Seminole in the swamps of Florida and the old Hadoo root workers of Louisiana. Along with his formal education in theology, anthropology and parapsychology brings holistic dimension that touches you, spirit, mind and body. And now your host Papa Say.
1: God bless all my father's children, here, there and everywhere. Bonsoir and welcome to the only genuine real hoodoo broadcast on the airwaves. This is your host, Monsieur Jean-Leon DeVereaux, officially known to many as Bayou Jean, the Swamp Wizard, Papa Say, and your Hoodoo Daddy, promising to tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. Let me say that I love you, and you, and even you, and it makes no difference what you think of me, but it does make a difference what I think of you. I cannot allow hatred, jealousy, prejudice, religion, or greed to be a part of me. Well, I know and I want you to know that the real hoodoo brings light, love, and life to the world. God bless you, my family. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are. Yes, may the Lord be good to you. May he open his arms of love to you. His arms of plenty to you. His arms of affection to you. May you be his one and only, his one and only child. Yep. May you be that now. So, Today, we have Timeless Tales of Hoodoo again for for us. Well, we we had it some weeks back, and we stopped. But we're going to start it again. We're going to start it again. This week. Yeah, this week. And this week, we will start off with Zombie Road. Now... The zombie road, well, when you get the the words right, it's something, but the zombie road is a good place, a good place to start. First of all, it's in Missouri, the most haunted state. Now, i say it again, the most haunted state in the U.S.A is Missouri. And this happens in Missouri. Now, all of you, all of you, know that even though it is in Missouri, there are some things which you have to be afraid of. If You have to really know it. You have to know it. All we're doing it's just rigging you with this information. I don't know if you live in, if you live in Missouri. I don't know if you go there. You might go by there every day. I don't know, but it is the most haunted state in the union. The most haunted state. Who do? And by by the same token honey things are in every town. Every town. They are. It is. No other state can boast this but Missouri. Now, if you want to you can talk about it. Yeah, call us in. At 619 now, one more time, the number is 619 Now, that's the number you need to get Thomas Tales of Hoodoo. Well, we'll be showing it this week, all this week. So, with that, all I can tell you is that, well, you will have a commercial. And behind that, well, we'll have some creepy music. We sure will. We sure will have some creepy music. But don't you go away. You hold that. Because we will be right back.
0: When you're in need, be sure to use Papa Say. Papa Say is a fourth-generation seer and an all-around hoodoo root doctor. Papa Say is that surefire person for getting whatever done to make your situation better. Papa Say can help you with everything from success and love to a continuous flow of money. Papa Say can remove that evil eye that's destroying your life and your future. Papa Say helps women get and keep their man and kids off the street, off of drugs, and out of jail. Papa Say doesn't use a tarot or a crystal ball. He uses an ordinary deck of playing cards, a time-honored method used by all real hoodoos. Papa Se can look through muddy water and spot dry land. He's not an ordinary reader or psychic. He's your holy spiritual advisor. You need him? Call him at 1-800-ASK-KEEN. That's 1-800-ASK-KEEN. And ask for extension 055-9865. That's 055-9865. 1-800-ASK-KEEN, extension 055-9865. Remember, there's only one real hoodoo and only one Papa Say.
1: St. Louis is like many other major American cities. It has a large, sprawling region of suburbs and interconnected towns that make up the metropolitan city as a whole, making it an impossible place to live if you don't own an automobile. With the Mississippi River as the eastern border of St. Louis, the settlers who came here originally had nowhere to go but to the West. And the city expanded in that direction. All after the, well, after all these years, though, and despite the amount of, of construction and development that has occurred, once you leave the western suburbs of St. Louis, you enter a rugged, wild region that is marked with rivers, forests, and caves. Traveling west on Interstate 44, and especially along the smaller highways, you soon leave the buildings and houses behind. It is here you will discover that mysteries lie. There are many tales of strange events in the area, from mysterious creatures to vanished towns, but few of them contain any supernatural elements. The same cannot be said for another area that is located nearby. If the stories are told about this forgotten stretch of roadway we even partially true, then the place called Zombie Road may be just one of the weirdest spots in the region. The old road has been dubbed Zombie Road, a name by which it was known at least as far back as the 1950s, was once listed on maps as Lawler Ford Road and was constructed at some point in the late 1860s. The road, which was once merely gravel and dirt, was paved at some point years ago, but it is now largely impassable by automobiles. It was originally built to provide access to the Merrimack and railroad tracks located along the river. In 1868, the Glencoe Marble Company was formed to work the limestone deposits in what is now the Rockwood Reservation, located nearby. A sidetrack was laid from the deposits to the town of Glen- Glencoe on the road crossing the property of James Yeatman. Now, the sidetrack from the Pacific Railroad switch off the lane line at Yeatman Junction And at this same place, the Lala Ford Road ended at the river. There is no record as to where the Lala name came from. But a ford did cross the river at this point into the land belonging to the Lewis family. At times, a boat was used to ferry people across the river here which is undoubtedly why the road was placed at this location. As time passed, the narrow road began to be used by trucks that hauled quarry stone from rail cars and later fell into disuse. Those who recall the road, when it was no more in use, well, when it was more widely in use, have told me that the narrow winding lane which runs through roughly two miles of dense woods has always enveloped in a strange silence and a half-light. Shadows were always long here, even on the brightest day, and it was always impossible to see past the trees and brush to what was coming around the next curve. I was told that if you were driving and met another car, one you would have, one of you would have to back up, and one of the few wide places you'd have to go to, or even the beginning of the road, in order for the other one to pass. Strangely, even those that, that talked with no interest in ghosts or the unusual all mentioned that Zombie Road was a spooky place. I was told that one of the strangest things about it was that it never looked the same or seemed the same length twice even on the return trip from a dead end point where a stone company property stated at times well where stone company property started at times one person told me we had the claustrophobic we had a claustrophobic feeling that it would never end and that we Would drive on forever into deeper darkness and silence. Thanks to its secluded area and the fact that it fell into into disrepair and was abandoned, abandoned, the Lauder Road gained a reputation in the 1950s as a local hangout for area teenagers to have their parties, drink beer. And as a lover's lane as well. Located in Wildwood, which was formerly Ellisville, and Glencoe, the road can be reached by making Manchester Road out west of the city to Old State Road south by turning down Ridge Road to the Ridge Meadows Elementary School. Curiosity seekers could find the road just to the left of the school. For years it was marked with a sign, but had since disappeared. Only a chain gate marks the entrance today. The road saw quite a lot of traffic in the early years, of its popularity, and occasionally still sees a traveler to today. Most who come here now, through the, though not looking for a party, instead they come looking for the unexplained. As so many locations of this type do, Lawler Ford Road gained a reputation for being haunted. Numerous legends and stories sprung up about the place, from the typical tales of murder boyfriends and killers with hooks for hands, to more specific tales of a local killer who was dubbed the zombie. He was said to live in an old dilapidated shack by the river and would attack young lovers, who came here looking for someplace quiet and out of the way? As time passed, the story of this madman were told and retold and retold, and eventually, the name Lala Ford Road was largely forgotten. It was replaced with Zombie Road, by which it is still known today. There are many other stories too from ghostly apparitions in the woods to visitors, visitors who have vanished without trace. There are also stories about a man who was killed here by a train in the 1970s and who haunts the road and that of a mysterious old woman who yells at passersby from a house at the end of the road. There is another about a boy who fell from the bluffs along the river and died, but his body was never found. His ghost is believed to haunt the area. There are also enough tales of Native American spirits and modern-day devil worshipers here to fill a book entirely. But is there any truth to these Tales, any history that might explain how the ghost stories got started. Believe it or not, there must be just a kernel of truth in the legends of Zombie Road and real life paranormal experience taking place there too. The region around Zombie Road was once known as Glencoe. Today, it is a small village on the banks of the Merrimack River, and most of its ancestors' its residents live in houses that were once summer resort cottages. Most of the other houses are from the area when Glencoe was a bustling railroad and and quarrying community. Days of prosperity have long since passed it by, though. And years ago, the village was absorbed by the larger town of Wildwood. There is no record of the first inhabitants here, but they are—they were likely the Native Americans who built the mounds that existed for centuries at the site of present-day St. Louis. The mound city that once existed here was one of the largest in North America and at its peak boasted more than 40,000 occupants. It is believed that the Merrimack River and its surrounding forests were an area heavily relied upon for food, and mounds have been found at Fenton and Petroglyphs. Petroglyphs have been discovered along the Merrimack and Big Rivers. It is also believed that the area around Glencoe, because of the game and fresh water, was a stopping point for the enemy, as they made their way to the Flint quarries in Jefferson County. After the mine builders vanished from the area, the Osage, Missouri, and Shawnee Indians came to the Indian, to the region, and used the Flint quarries and hunted and fished on the Merrimack River. The Shawnee had been invited. Into that, into what was then, well, the Shawnee had been invited into what was then the Louisiana region by the Spanish governor. Many of them settled west of St. Louis and were for a time major supplies of games to the settlement. The family that lived on what later became Times Beach. Reported frequent visitors from the Shawnee, but the majority of the tribe moved further west around 1812. Many other tribes passed through the region and they were moved to their original lands in the east, but no records exist of any of them ever staying near Glencoe. The reason for this is because the area was a pivotal point for travelers indians and settlers alike the history of the region may explain why sightings and encounters of native american ghosts have taken place along law of ford road as we know that a ford once existed here a shallow point in the river that was more easily navigated, it's likely that the road leading down to the river was once an Indian trail. The early settlers had a tendency, tendency to turn the already existing trails into roads. And this may have been the case with Lawler Ford Road. If the Native Americans left an impression behind here in their travels, or quest or quest for Flint. It could be the reason why Indian spirits are still encountered here today. Now the first white seller in the area was Ninian ha- ha- Hamilton from Kentucky. He arrived near Glencoe around 1800 and ordained and obtained a settler's land grant. He built a house and training post and became one of the wealthiest and most influential men of the period. It was mentioned that the area around Glencoe was a pivotal point in western moving. In those days, the Merrimack River bottoms were heavily forested and made up to steep hills and sharp bluffs. The river flooded frequently, frequently and the fords that existed were only usable during times of low water. There were no big bridges or ferries that crossed the river except for the one that operated far to the southeast. The trappers and traders that traveled west of St. Louis, like the Indians before them, came on horseback along the ridge route that later became Manchester Road. It skirted the Merrimack and was high enough so that it was not subject to flooding. Because of this, it passed directly by Hamilton's homestead and trading post that he established there, with the well-used trail just outside of his back door, as well as nearby fish, game, Spirit spring water. Hamilton's prosperous post post office. Woo. Hamilton. Later on built some grist mill near his trading purse, which he which was badly a badly needed resource for settlers in those areas. There are also legends that say that annual gatherings of fur trappers and Indians occurred at Hamilton's place. These rendezvous have been the subject of great debate over the years, but no one knows for sure if they had It is known that his spouse was the last one leaving St. Louis, and the first the trappers would see when returning. So it's likely they did take place. One of the mills that Hamilton started was later replaced by a water mill. For tanning, by Henry McCullough, who had a tannery and shoemaking business that that not only supplied the surrounding area, but also allowed him to ship large quantities of leather to his brother in the South. McCullough was also Kentucky, and purchased his land from Hamilton. He later served as justice of the peace for about 30 years and as judge for the county court from 1849 to 1852. He was married three times before he died in 1853 and one of his wives was a, sitter, a sister of near of ne- Okay, Nanian Hamilton. His wife, Della Hamilton McCullum, was killed in 1876 after being struck down by a railroad car on the spur line from the Rockwoods Reservation. It has been suggested that perhaps the death of Della. Hamilton McCullough was responsible for the legend that has grown up around Zombie Road about the ghost of the person who died, was who was run over by a train. Now the story of this phantom has been told for at least three decades now. But there is no record of anyone being killed in modern times. In fact, the only railroad death around Glencoe is that of Henry McCullough's unfortunate wife. Could it be her ghost that has been linked to Zombie Road? Hmm. The railroads would be another vital connection to Glencoe and the stories of Lala Ford Road. The first lines reached the area in 1853 when a group of passengers on black cars arrived behind the steam locomotive locomotive, called the St. Louis. A rail line had been constructed along the Merrimack River using two tunnels and connected St. Louis to Franklin, which was later renamed Pacific, Missouri. The tiny station house at Franklin was more than a building in the wilderness at the time, but bands played, people cheered as the station pulled, as the train pulled into the station. Around the same time, Tracks have been extended along the road, passing through what would be Glencoe. The site was likely given its name by Scottish engineer James P. Turfwa, who laid out the route. The name has its origins in Old English, as "Glen" meaning a narrow valley and "Coe" meaning grass. Only a few remnants of the original railroad can be found today. The old lines can still be seen at the end of Zombie Road. And along it these tracks where the railroad goes is believed to walk. There have been numerous accounts over the years of translucent light, a figure in white that walks up and down the abandoned line, and then disappears. Those who claim to have seen it say the phantom glows with bluish-white light, but always disappears if anyone tries to approach it. As mentioned, the identity of that ghost remains a mystery, but despite stories of a mysterious death, in the 1970s, the presence is more likely the lingering spirit of Della McCullough. Mm. One of the passengers who made the first trip east on the rail line was from St. Louis, And was probably James Yeatman. He was one of the leading citizens of St. Louis, and the founder of the Mercantile Library, President of Merchants Bank, and a leading proponent of extending the railroads west of the Mississippi. He was active in both business and charitable affairs in St. Louis. He, has, he was a major force behind Western Sanitation Commission during the Civil War. This large volunteer group provided hospital boats, medical services, and looked to other needs of the wounded on both sides of the conflict. The hospital, world's first hospital roll card is attributed to this group. After the death of Neenian Hamilton in 1856, his heirs sold his hand, his land, to A.S. Mitchell, who in turn sold out to James Eatman. He built a large frame house on the property and dubbed it Glen Pocole Park. The mansion burned to the ground in 1920 while owned by Alfred Thaw and Al, what? Angelica Yeatman Carr, the daughter of James Yeatman. They moved into the stone guest house on the property, which also burned. In 1954, it was later rebuilt and restored and still remains the Carr family home today. The village of Giganto was laid out in 1854 by Woods, Christie & Company, and in 1885, it contained a few houses and a small store, but for about a year, had no post office. At the time the town was created, Woods Christian Company also erected a grist and sawmill at Cove that operated until about 1868. Woods Christian Company had been a large dry goods company in St. Louis. There is a family tradition in the Christie family that land was traded for goods and materials by early settlers. This firm ceased operation as a dry goods company around 1856. While it is possible that some lands near Glencoe were the result of training for supplies, the firm actually, actually started a large Lumbering operation around the village. One of the many prominent citizens of no, New of St. Louis who traveled through Springfield during the middle and late 1800s was, believe it or not, Winston Churchill. Now, the American author who wrote. Well, the American author who wrote a number of best-selling romantic novels in the early 1900s. One of its most popular, The Crisis, was partially set in St. Louis and partially at Glencoe. The novel, which Churchill acknowledged, was based on the activities of James Yeatman depicts the struggles and conflicts in St. Louis during the critical years of the Civil War. It is believed that Angelica Yeatman Carr was his model for the heroine. Miss Virginia Carvel, the first... or what? The first edition of the book was released in 1901 and was followed by subsequent editions. It can still be found on dusty shelves in used and antiquarian antiquarian bookstores today. In 1868, the Glencoe Marble Company was formed, and the previous mentioned sidetrack was added to the railroad to run alongside the river. The tracks ran past where the Glen Ford Road ended, and it's likely that wagons were lose to haul quarry stone up the road. Before this, before this, the road was likely nothing more than an Indian trail, although it did not see other traffic in the eighteen sixties, and perhaps even death. During the Civil War, the city of St. Louis found itself in the predicament of being loyal to the Union in a state that was predominantly dedicated to the Confederates. But for this reason, men who were part of what was called the Home Guard were picked along the roads and trails leading to the city with instructions to turn back South, Southern sympathizers by any means necessary. As a result, Confederate spies, saboteurs, and agents often had often had to find less traffic paths to get in and out of the St. Louis area. One of the lesser-known trails was leading to and away from the fort across the Merrimack River at Glencoe. this trail would later be known as LaLa Ford World War Road now as this information as this information reached the leaders of the militia forces troops from the Home Guard began to be stationed at the ford. The trail here here led across the river to a small town of Crescent, which was later dubbed Rebel Bend because of the number of Confederates who passed along and found sanctuary here. After the militia forces set up lines here, the river became dangerous to cross, very dangerous to cross. However, since there were so few force across the Merrimack, many attempted to cross it anyway, often with dire results. According to the stories, the number of men who died here in short battles with the home guard could This is about to explain some of the hauntings that now occur along zombie roads. Many of the people I've talked to about strange happenings here speak of unsettling feelings and the sensation of being watched. While we could certainly dismiss this as nothing more than a case of the creeps, that overwhelming near panic that I described in an earlier chapter, it becomes harder to dismiss when combined with eerie sounds, inexplicable noises, and even the disembodied footsteps that no one seems able to trace to their source. Many have spoken of being followed as they walk along the trail, as though someone is keeping pace with them just in the edge of the woods. Strangely though, no one has ever been seen. In addition, it is not uncommon for visitors to also report the shapes and shadows of presences in the woods too. On many occasions, these shapes have been mistaken for actual people until the hunter goes to, until the hiker goes to the front end and finds that there is no one there. It's possible that the violence and bloodshed that occurred there during the Civil War left its mark behind on this site. And it had and it had so, so many locations across the country. Hmm. Well. Well. That is something good. Yes, it is. That is a Good story
2: which until next time Watch where you step or you'll become a timeless tale of Hoodoo Well
1: Well I hope you enjoyed that. Of course I didn't read it all. Some of it I didn't do. I didn't do it at all, but it is a good story. It is a good story. It is a story which most people don't really know. Well, if you want to hear it again, just go to Lip syn or it. or iHeartRadio or Buzzsprout. And click it on that. Click click it on that. That is a verified copy of these programs. Verified copy. Now, with you, all I can say is, well, tomorrow we'll be back. Yeah, we'll be back tomorrow with these times, sales, again. And for you... May God bless you and keep you. With all you do, may He keep you. And most of all, I pray that each and every one of you may receive what he should. Okay? And above all, I have to say this. Good night.
2: The views and opinions expressed on the preceding program are solely those of the participants and are not necessarily those of this broadcast facility, its management, staff, nor its sponsors. Thanks to everyone in our entire audience for listening to this broadcast of Papa Say here on Blog Talk Radio. Your host for this broadcast was Papa Say. Chatroom supervision provided by BT Destiny. The executive producer was George Carr. The broadcast director was James Best. On-air announcers were Myron Bast and Dorothy Knight. On-air announcer for Spanish was Diego Montoya. On-air announcer for French was Michelle LeBlanc. Telephone screening provided by Nicole Lofton. Music recording and engineering provided by JT's COP Database Engineering. The music heard on this program is under license by ASCAP and BMI. On air engineering and recording for post program archive provided by Blog Talk Radio a corporation licensed by the State of New York with corporate offices in New Jersey. A recording of this and other broadcasts can be downloaded at wwwblogtalkradiocom say. This program has been brought to you by Big Gator Productions which is solely responsible for its content. Remember to tune in next week at the same time for Papa Say here on Blog Talk Radio.